You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 145, Joseph, King of Dreams. Dang it, wrong musical. This episode was brought to you by the patrons. That's right. To find out more about how you can get your favorite movie nominated, head on over to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling, and I'm here with my lovely co-host on the big comfy chair, Woo-hoo. Chelsea Robson. I feel so like a queening over here. Oh, yeah. My throne. <laughs> <laughs> We've moved from the couch to a giant plush chair, and I'm sitting in a little uh, just table chair, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, she is my guest, and uh-huh. she gets all... All the things in life, right? (laughs) All the things in life. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) For those of you who are new to this show, the Animation Addicts Podcast is a show all about the wide, amazing, beautiful, magical world of animation. We review animated films past and present, and this time we are going to be reviewing a direct-to-video sequel by DreamWorks called Joseph, King of Dreams. So this is actually a patron pick by Holly. So we are. Thanks, Holly. Thank you, Holly. We are very excited to do this movie. Um, We're going to have a lot of fun. And I think we should preface by why this episode is coming out late. If you are listening to this live, or not not live, no one's joining us live right now, but uh, relatively near when we release this. If you're listening in the archives, you're like, don't care. But we recorded this at my house a few days ago, and something crazy happened with the recording that we ended up sounding like chipmunks with a little flutter every few seconds so it would have been impossible for me to edit that out and I was like no <laughs> like if it was just the chipmunk voice I think we could have pitched it down enough or even it... just left it and laughed at it yeah it could have been that episode right like it would it would have been great and when Chelsea first said that I was like that's that's cool that's fine um but when she said the flutter I didn't quite understand what she meant by that so I went and listened to the recording and it it was every few seconds and it was not possible to no. Um, fix. So here we are on a Saturday morning re-recording. Saturday morning cartoons. This is how we do it. True, true, true. All right. So we're going to start off by jumping right into the trailer. Let's see what they have for us. Ah, let's play the old music. So bring everyone in. Comes the next in a series of classic stories. Or so they wanted. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't actually turn out that that way. (laughs) DreamWorks Home Entertainment yes. invites you on an all-new animated adventure. I am the, the movie trailer voice guy. Yeah, he's got such a great voice. Storytelling at its best. A story that will live forever. Tell Pharaoh about my gift, please. I'm told you merely need to hear a dream. You can explain it. That is true. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Very like this. <laughs> it is my curse. <laughs> My favorite song in the whole movie. Chelsea doesn't think it's memorable, but I like it. The classic story of one I would totally sing that in church if I sang. And it modulates. It does. My favorite. <laughs> Joseph, King of Dreams. The film. Own the film the entire family can enjoy. 
from whatever Knight Ritter is. <laughs> Again, so I was talking about this um, in our original review, but a lot of the quotes that they pull for these movie trailers are epic and amazing, <laughs> best movie of the year. Usually they get those from pretty decent sources, such right. as Siskel and Ebert, the Chicago Sun-Times, LA Times, New York Times, the big publications. Right. Uh, when they have to go to Family Fun Magazine and some of these publications you've never heard, obviously that means the big guys did not enjoy it or did not even review it. They probably didn't even go. <laughs> and uh, so they had to trickle down. So if you ever see rotoscopers on a theatrical movie trailer, <laughs> you, know. you know that they've stooped really low and no one else... <laughs> to go to us. Yes, no one else liked... I mean, we're, we're pretty hot stuff. We, we know are. that. Yeah. However, we are not the LA Times and some of these big publications. So that either is one of two things. Um, no one else liked it, right? And so they had to bubble down to us. We were the only people who liked it. So boom, here we go. Or no one else reviewed it. Right. And we were the only people. <laughs> Which we have gone to some of those yes. reviews. <laughs> very, um, very good time. So uh, a trip down memory lane. So talking about that, let's let's go into a little of the history of this film because this film was, like it says, a series of classic stories. Right. This wasn't, I would not call two things a series. <laughs> uh, there was King of e Prince of Egypt and King of Dreams. Uh, two does not a series make, in my opinion. <laughs> and it's because this film really didn't do, I guess, what they thought it would do in the home video market. Which, and Disney at the time, was just like, pull the King. out. Yeah. They were still high and mighty in, in the home direct-to-video release. Yeah, and so, of course, I'm sure DreamWorks thought, hey, why not? Let's do We've it. Already, well, I mean, Katzenberg was like, I've already been doing that for the last 20, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know this market very well. Right. Uh, another thing that this this is a very popular segment uh, demographic, these Bible videos, specifically mm -hmm. the animated Bible videos for kids. Um, there is a company called Nest Entertainment, which is run by Richard Rich. He does the living scriptures. And Richard Rich, you may know as the director of The Swan Princess, Alpha and Omega, whatnot. And he he really tapped into that market. And he did a good job. I grew up watching those living scriptures videos and so loved them a lot. So it makes sense that, okay, DreamWorks, hey, first off, the living scripture videos are not even Joseph King of Dreams quality. No. Uh, so if they if DreamWorks could have come out with a series that were higher quality than the living scriptures, I mean, it would have been a home run. However, obviously, the costs were too high and it didn't do well enough. Uh, in sales to merit that. It would have been really cool. I would have loved to have seen other Bible stories. You know, Samson would have been a cool one. Uh, heck, Adam and Eve. That's a great intro story. There's a lot of <laughs> Jesus stories that you can tell. Uh, the Bible's full of stories and unfortunately didn't work out that way. Well, instead, they went ahead and purchased uh, VeggieTales. Yes. So it was just like, hey, I, we already know that these guys have the corner on this market. And they're, I would they're the say, new up and, cunning, up and coming guys. Yeah, I would honestly say that they have a bigger... Oh, for sure. Oh, More people know VeggieTales than they do Living Scriptures. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's just the, the videos that we grew up on. They were the... the they came out before VeggieTales ever did. Yes, um, yeah, early 90s. Yeah. So Morgan and I have a... a a deep love oh, yes. <laughs> for this. If you've ever listened genre. to the podcast and you hear us refer to, oh, you know he's a bad guy because he has a big nose, that comes from these living scripture videos where right. the bad guy uh, in the story always just had this like 
giant schnoz. <laughs> the giant schnoz. <laughs> it was fantastic. And they always had a yes. weaselly voice, too. <laughs> well, Never well unless they're a big buff one, that's like, Oh, that's true, yeah. So, two types of villains, really. I mean, really. We never change. <laughs> oh, it's good times. So, going into a little bit more tidbits about this. Uh, this is pulled from Box Office Mojo, IMDb, and, of course, Wikipedia. And so the studio is DreamWorks Animation. The directors were Rob DeLuca and Robert C. Ramirez. Executive producers, Penny Finkelman Cox, Steve Hickner, and Jeffrey Katzenberg. And it was released on November 7th, 2000. So this is actually the sequel that's a prequel. Yes. <laughs> I like prequels. <laughs> this tells the story of how the Israelites, the children of Israel, made it into Egypt. In the first place. Yeah, yeah, and ultimately led to them needing to leave Egypt and be freed. <laughs> so if you're wondering, like, what happened here, I mean, this really explains. And it's crazy because it starts with not necessarily a super small family. There's 12 brothers. Right. And, uh, you know, they're all married and have their families. But for the most part, I mean, less than 100 people, more or less, maybe. Right. Turns into thousands upon thousands. They come in as as refugees, and then they leave as refugees. True. <laughs> they cannot, they just can't find a place. <laughs> well, and then they wander around for forty years. So, They're, yes. Uh, <laughs> so jumping right in, it's the same art style and character designs as Prince of Egypt. They really wanted to create that this isn't the same family. Uh, I think if they were to continue with more of these, it, they all would have had this similar art yeah. style to connect them. Cinematic universe. Yes. Should we say? Oh, the the. <laughs> What, Prince of Egypt cinematic universe? The Bible cinematic universe? <laughs> there we go. I, I like the character design. The animation isn't as um, refined as in the original, which is expected, but it's not bad enough to be distracting. Not at all. Um, they also have some very nice special effects, particularly that dream sequence that we see very early on with mm -hmm. the Van Gogh, Starry Night, you know, those short brush strokes. Um, so I think they did a, a really good job. This wasn't just a, all right, just ship it away. Let's just put a couple uh, million or two into producing this and then off we go. I do think there was a lot of thought and effort that went into it. And I, I think the result is a good film. And I do think the reason is because the story of Joseph is a great story from the Bible. Oh, yeah. It has a lot of different facets. And um, it's not just one of these stories that's just a few verses and off you go. Uh, you're done. Right. It's a few chapters, and so we really get to know the players in this story a little more so than we would perhaps in other Bible stories. And they do a really good job of giving them a like a personality. Mm -hmm. Like I can actually picture Joseph. I mean, not all of them get personalities. No, <laughs> but that's too much. Too much. Too much. There's twelve. But you know the the major ones. You you kind of feel like you know the story and. Mm -hmm. Like, I would feel that same way as the brothers Yeah. if my sibling came and was like, hey, you're all going to bow down to me. Um, okay. <laughs> Little brother. Well, we jump into a song which basically sets up the premise of this and the strife between the two brothers, the, the, the older brothers and Joseph, the miracle child. Yes. I mean, when he is being very self-referential and referring him to himself as the miracle child... I imagine how could they could have got a little ticked and not have liked the guy. Um, we hear the the line where he says, "A bright shining star where there was none." Uh, the, the father saying that, and really, thanks, Dad. <laughs> thanks a lot. I am handsome. I am smart. I am a walking work of art. 
Wait, that's the wrong one, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> that was one problem. I kept, every time I would go through this, I would expect to hear Angel Lloyd Webber's Technical Dreamcoat series in there. I'm like, ah, oh, where's that song? Part of me wishes they just would have used those, but then again, you got to pay a lot of moolah yeah. for those. Um, other than the one song, yeah. uh, which I do enjoy, Chelsea not so much, but <laughs> it's, it's like they felt they needed to be a musical. I felt like in this time in animation, because of the success of Disney and the Disney Renaissance and how everything was a musical and like animation had to be synonymous with, you know, animate with musical right. that they felt they needed to do it too, well, especially since Prince of Egypt was. Yeah, but I feel they could have just, okay, yes, Prince of Egypt was a musical, had those songs, but maybe you could have just had one song in here. Yeah. The big one. You, you said, ah. Uh, I am special. I am. Is that what he says in the in in Angel Lloyd Webber's? Well, he says it here. Oh, there's another line. He says, "I am special. I am smart. I am set apart. Rules, exceptions don't apply." <laughs> really, Joseph? Really? I mean, we need some humble pie right now because this is no wonder. No wonder this. Right. I mean, that's that's horrible to say. Like, no wonder you ended up being thrown into pit and sold <laughs> into slavery. Like, no, that that's... under any circumstance, that's not where my mind leads to. But let's just let's key it back a little bit okay <laughs> let's come back and and really if you're that is something that is more inferred in mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. from somebody's interpretation of the bible story yes. than necessarily told yes like, it, we don't get the impression that joseph himself was this high haughty arrogant right it, like as i as i call him based on this version the world's first millennial <laughs> I'm special. I'm smart. Cater to me. I don't want to work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, and, and I say that I, I think our generation, because we are millennials, um, mm-hmm. we're on the upper side of it, but it's it's still like, I still think that the our generation is not entirely that way, but yes, there are strands. Yes. <laughs> There's a subset that we just shake our head and say, why? Why? Yeah. And of course, that subset has to define the whole generation, right. which is very unfortunate. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Oh, man. You know, it starts out and you see Judah. And really, they only pull out a couple key characters. Mm-hmm. And Judah is one of the main ones because up until Joseph was born, he was the birthright. So that's... He was like... Hey, Dad, were you this stressed out when I was born? And Dad's like, well, it was different with your mother. This was different. And I was just like, what the? Well, go into that, Chelsea, because growing up, we went to the same church. We were in the same church class uh, with other youth. And Chelsea would always just pull out, we'd be studying different scriptures, and she would just pull out these stories. And she could give you a Bible story from like all the teeny little characters. She knew all the players. She knew all the brothers' names. We were just blown away. We were like 11 or 12 at this point. I'm like, how do you know this? And so I dubbed her scriptorian number one because she was a scriptorian and I wanted to be like Chelsea. So I dubbed myself, of course. I dubbed me. I dubbed me. Scriptorian number two because I was her apprentice and I wanted to become like Chelsea. Those were good times, Yes, those were very good times. So uh, This was also during the times when... When our teachers didn't want to actually teach, they would just put in the living scriptures. Yes, exactly. They're like, you guys are too rowdy and out of control, so boop. And we didn't even realize it until much later that why did we go through so many teachers? <laughs> in a short period of time, we went through like 10 teachers. I still don't think we were that bad. I don't think we were either. But, but... I'm sure we were. <laughs> I'm sure we were just giggling, laughing like right now and right, not paying right. attention. So. I mean, we were always engaged in something. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't want to come... I don't want to say that I'm like 
the scriptorian because there's definitely a lot that I do not know. But I'll give you like the basics of the story. <laughs> All right. Okay, so Jacob is Joseph's dad. And Jacob was like, hey, this girl out there, her name is Rachel. I really want to marry her. She's awesome. And so she, he goes over to uh, Rachel's dad and says, hey, I want to marry Rachel. And his dad's like, well, um, okay, but you have to work seven years for me. And so um, he does. He works for, t- for seven years, and they end up in, in the wedding the dad of Rachel pulls a switcheroo and instead of marrying Rachel, he ends up marrying Rachel's older sister, Leah, because he's like, I can't get rid of Leah until <laughs> <laughs> like she, she's apparently not the looker. <laughs> so he, he ends up marrying Leah at first. And then Jacob's like, ah, dang it. I, I really wanted Rachel. And so he's like, well, you can have Rachel, but you have to work another seven years. So he ended up having to work 14 years to be able to marry Rachel. Um, so he had a long-term vision there. He was dedicated. This whole time, Leah is like, hey, I'm, we're going to have kids. We're going to, it's going to be great. But at first, like she maybe couldn't. I don't, I think, yeah, I think she couldn't at first. And so she was like, well, here, take my handmaiden and have kids with her. And this is a different time. (laughs) This is Genesis. Okay. This is the beginning. (laughs) So he has some kids through one of the handmaidens and she finally gets pregnant. And so she has kids and her oldest son was Judah. And so at the point in time, Judah was going to be the birthright of that time. But this whole time, Rachel's like, Hey, I'm here too. Rachel couldn't have kids at first. So she gives her handmaiden to, to have kids for her. And so you got Gad and Asher out of those. Uh, But then finally, toward the very end of her life, and what is said in the... Miracle. The miracle child. She was, what, 90 at this point? Yeah, I don't know how old, but she was definitely not in a normal age of having kids. And so she had the miracle child of Joseph, who was, because she was the preferred wife, he was now the birthright. And so all of this happened over, like... Many, many years. So I would say Judah is probably about 20 years older than Joseph, something like that. I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but, you know, there's a wide gap in the kids here. That's why in the beginning you got Judah being like, well, what am I, chopped liver? That's what's so funny is like, at that point, it also makes me think because uh, like Rachel was able to have one more mm-hmm. and have Benjamin. <laughs> so it's like, okay, if... If Joseph was the miracle child, shouldn't Benjamin be, like, the double miracle child? Like, again? <laughs> yeah, but Joseph was the one who primed the pump. Like, once you prime, <laughs> once you prime the pump, it's easy to get water again. There you and go. That's another... <laughs> for, that's a reference to, you know, when you have a, an old pump and it's dried out, sometimes you have to put a, pour a little water into it to get get everything working again. And right, once you there's a little piece of leather inside the pump. Mm-hmm. And so if it gets dried out, once you put water in it, it'll expand and it'll actually create the suction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, once you prime the pump, it's easy to get more water after that point. Right. So that's my... Joseph, he primed the pump, which allowed <laughs> Benjamin, who, yes, you may have been Miracle Child 2.0, but, I mean, Joseph was the, the true miracle. <laughs> the true miracle. And so as a result, they give him this coat of many colors, which, I mean... Styling. <laughs> I did not love the design of the coat here. I felt that it just, it didn't work for me. The colors were sort of contradictory and not a very good way, not very flattering. I didn't like the design. I just, and it... it the bird on the back was interesting. Yes. I was wondering what they wanted to... 
well, what the symbolism we saw of that the hawk. Be- we saw it at the beginning and at the end. Right. I, don't, I mean, but what But was... it wasn't clear, like, how, what does this mean? Yeah. I guess you have to be scriptor- like, super scriptorian to understand the meaning of that. <laughs> I do not know what the meaning of the hawk is. I'm sorry, people. I have disappointed you. I did appreciate, like, it's kind of like essence of Dombleth Dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> the trim of the coat, right? Yeah. <laughs> the little gold shimmer. <laughs> I was like, this is totally something that would be in a Dombleth film. <laughs> yes, again, just another reason for the brothers to not be so fond of, right. jo- of Joseph. Yeah. Well, and then, so, actually, I, I didn't mind that song. It was... Even though I can't remember. I mean, I can't it was a good, at all. It was a song that I enjoyed the lyrics, but I can't remember... Yeah, I couldn't. The two. I can't tell. Yeah, no idea how it went. Um, but insert song here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I am happy. I'm smart. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> um, but uh, the next thing you go into, he he's it establishes him also as a dreamer. Mm-hmm. God is opening up the vision and opening, giving him the direction in life be ready, you're going to do some great things, which on the one hand is, I think, like, everyone should look for their, I'm going to do great things in life, God will show me what I need to do. But in this case, you know, his was going to be higher than his brother's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it does show his dreams. I liked the dream sequences we were talking about before. Yeah, and it was a way to differentiate the real life from the dream uh, and just had a different feel, and I really thought they taking inspiration from those paintings was a nice touch. Yeah, you know, and and yet here is yet another uh, case number three hundred forty-five <laughs> of not making friends and influencing people very well <laughs> with your brothers by hey, guess what I dream? <laughs> well, well, actually, he doesn't really want to tell them, and he, he's kind of like, so what would you dream? Tell us, and yeah, he's like, yeah. well, tell us. Well, I was above you and ruling over <laughs> you. Kind of you. all bowed up before me. Yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> you know, and I, I think they do a really good job of establishing that through these various things, um, you know, and these in the Bible did happen. He was beloved by the father because he was the miracle child. He mm-hmm. had the special coat and he had these dreams that put him above the brothers as well. Just thing after thing after thing make the brothers very resentful. And so because of this dream, they wake up early and dad says, well, since you're already up, you might as well go tend to the flocks and get (laughs) out of here. But no, not you, Joseph. You need to study. (laughs) Um, And so the brothers are grumbling away. They go away. And he he says, well, I want to go with the brothers. This is very much like his his Luke Skywalker moment. I want to get some power converters. Yeah. Exactly, that's totally what I thought. And so he's like, okay, and he lets him go. And, um, you know, and then the brother's like, oh, it's Joseph. And and they're not happy that he's there. And, you know, yawn, I'm so tired. And then again, Joseph, you're not tired because you got up early. You're tired because you were up all night. Ooh. (laughs) I mean, little snitchy, snitchy brother. (laughs) Again, not winning friends. (laughs) Not doing your greatest. And I'm definitely getting very much, not only Luke Skywalker vibes, but Hercules vibes. Where yeah. Hercules, he had he was something special. You know, we know who Hercules is. And he's here amongst these humans and mortals and doesn't fit in. Right. And very similar. I mean, and this is part of, you know, some of that j- hero's journey. Yeah. But you know, here, here Joseph is and he's amongst family and still doesn't quite fit in. And yeah. he even says, like, why don't I fit in here? I mean, Hercules even says that. But. Right. <laughs> 
Well, and it's just so weird to think, though, that, like, Judah and his older brothers are, like, 40 here. And so, obviously, the fact that their their dad is prefer, you know, giving preference to the 15-year-old, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, what about me? Like, what's, I sh- really should, I have way more experience, I'm better off leading this family. So, I understand Did that. you explain how Judah ended up being, well, yeah, because Judah, yeah, you is, said it. is the, I can't remember if you said it or is not. Is the birthright, yeah, oh. I did. Yes, and and we we mentioned this whole story, right? But we only ever see Joseph's mother here, Um, and so that we only see her. And so there's like, I guess they didn't want to get into that whole backstory that Chelsea talked about. (laughs) They only ever refer to him as half brother, right? Uh, Which I guess you can assume. Okay, there's another mother somewhere in the picture. They did not want to show both mothers at all and handmaidens. No. It's like, hmm. So, but the, by, just by just saying, yeah, I think they kind of think, oh, half-brother, maybe the other mother's not gone, or uh, maybe the other mother's gone. Yeah. Um, but that is not the case. We yeah. know better. Yes, no. <laughs> and there's sisters there, too. You just don't Totally, see exactly. I mean, you can't... Uh, odds are 50-50 on right. whether you're going to get a boy or a girl. And the odds are not in your favor to have 12 boys in a row, you know. Over the course of who no. knows. I mean, it can happen, but it's not in your favor. No. Trust me. Like I was saying, I can't imagine being sold into slavery by my siblings. That is completely incomprehensible to me. Yeah. And the fact that this happened, it's just pretty astounding how resentful these brothers were. That it came to this point. Yeah. That we have to dispose of him. Right. Uh, which is such a shame. And like we said, the movie does a really great job of setting the stage mm-hmm. of how he gets there. So they yeah. throw him in the pit and, you know, they were going to like leave him there to die or like feed him to the wolves more or less. But then they kind of have a change of heart and decide to sell him. And Judah's like, uh, let's get some money out of this. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what's interesting. This is a really interesting part, Morgan, is that it, they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Which was exactly the amount of money that Judas sold Jesus to the Romans for 20 pieces of silver. Do you know what that means? Tell me. No inflation. (laughs) I mean, that is pretty impressive. I guess that's what happens when you are dealing solely with gold and silver as opposed to paper money that doesn't even go to to the gold standard anymore. So... There you go. Mm-hmm. So he is sold into slavery and he has to walk behind the camel, which this was funny to me. The, the slavers only had one camel. So one guy got to sit on the camel. <laughs> Joseph was pulled behind and the other two just had to walk who knows how far to Egypt. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yeah, if I were them, I would uh, use some of that money to invest in some camels because that is a long trek. <laughs> that is a long trek for sure. So, and then they finally get into there and one of my favorite lines, I don't know why. <laughs> I honestly don't know why this was, it caught me as like funny, but they're just like, where's the slave market? It's like, down by the docks. <laughs> and I'm like, where else would it be? Of course. It's always going to be down by the docks. <laughs> oh man. And then you see, you get this moment um, where he, they have shaven, they've like destroyed his clothes. They've shaven it off his hair and he like pulls, he like runs his hands through his hair and he's like, oh, inside you can just see him saying my locks, mm-hmm. my beautiful locks. <laughs> and then this is when Potiphar comes and buys him in. And he does a great job at Potiphar's home. Yes. Yes, he does. 
Yeah, so Potiphar comes, we're introduced to him, he buys him. I highly doubt that Potiphar himself would have come to buy the slave. But of course, because he's this intellectual who's been studying, he's a scholar, he is not as big and burly and buff as the other slaves or potential slaves. And so he gets picked. And it turns out that, oh, he can, you can read, you can write. Who taught you? Your fa- My father. Well, your father did a great job. <laughs> um, so they established that. And they establish a connection there, mm-hmm. which... which he sa- And he saves him um, some money when he's being sold a horse. Oh, the most beautiful horse I've ever seen. Right. And the guy has weighted the scales a bit, so that way he can get a little extra money. Oh, master. Yeah, yeah. I think you need to take a look at this. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. So they show him as being not only, I mean, very loyal to his new master. Obviously, he's not happy about his situation. Right. But he he's dealing with it in the best way that he's can, he can. So he's not resentful, and he's not trying to lose his master money. He really is uh, loyal to him and and is looking out for him. Uh, And I think that's a good trait to have. I mean, we're going to see in this movie that this story is a story about when undesirable consequences come, having a good attitude and doing the best you can with it. Yeah. Uh, Because, yes, this is the worst thing that could have happened. Being sold into slavery is no joke and is very very sad and unfortunate but he did the best that he could and yes it was hard for a long time this wasn't just a a year or two this was decades as we see um well from the from the very beginning to the end and where he ends up is in so much better place uh because it allows his family to be saved and whatnot so we'll get into that as we go on yeah well and then potiphar's wife also you know, they, they do a really good job of, of accentuating her swagger. <laughs> She's like, well, hello, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that one of those scenes where she comes up to him is, has he just been given free reign to paint a mural of his I family? Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, who, what? <laughs> it's like, who's that? Oh, that's my mom. Like, <laughs> this is my land where I came from. Like, this is my land. This is my house. Excuse me, why are you painting your life story? You should be painting my life story. Right. I'm, hmm. It was like, here's your free wall. Do what you want with it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and then she comes over. But the thing is, like, she comes over and she's just like, She's like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a great pickup line, girl. And like, he knows right away, uh-oh. Yeah. Well, and, and this is where she tries to seduce him mm-hmm. um, and wants her, in the biblical sense, to lie with him. <laughs> and he has nothing to do with it. And so he, he runs away. His She gets very upset and rips his clothes as he's running away. And um, it puts him in a very precarious situation. However, he still stands his ground. And like one of the lessons you can learn from this is when you're put in a situation like that, you don't have to give in. Even, you know, it was his master's wife. So in theory, I guess he had to do what she says. But he didn't. He, he could have felt like he had to. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, yeah, legally, this is what I need to do or whatever. But right. he he morally did not feel that that was right. And so he ran. And so that's a good situation. When you're put in, in situations that you don't agree with or just are, make you uncomfortable, you can run and you can get out of there. Yeah. And uh, absolutely do it. Who cares what your friends think? Who cares if they're going to make fun of you? I mean, do what's going to be better for you in the long run and just run and get out of there. Yeah. So, and obviously he's initially not. Uh, it doesn't work out for him. It doesn't him. work yeah. out for him. <laughs> initially, it's kind of, he puts him in an even worse spot, but eventually it puts him in the absolute best spot. Yeah. Yeah, Potiphar does mention later on, like, I know what happened there. and Which I think was more of a that artistic was, representation. For sure. Uh, <laughs> that was to, to kind of bend, mend that fence between Potiphar and him. 
uh-huh. um, because Potiphar, after which we're gonna I'm, we're gonna skip over the scene and then we're gonna go back. But after he's in jail, Potiphar takes him to to Pharaoh. He like he gives like his word of like his stamp of approval. On yes, him, yeah. Which also is not mentioned in no, the Bible story. No. But it also gives some validity, so you can, like, okay, I can see that. And we already established a lot of uh, time into these characters and character yeah. design, and we paid the guy, so. Right. <laughs> Why not give out a we couple need... extra lines? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, he's thrown in jail. Uh, at this point, Potiphar is not happy with the situation because she's sitting there bawling. <laughs> Look what he did to me. And <laughs> so he gets thrown in jail. And again, things are not turning up for Joseph. I mean, at least being a slave who in a very rich household where he wasn't working manual labor. I mean, other than having to hold that slave, you know, <laughs> hold that palm leaf over her head. <laughs> it is sunny. <laughs> He was in a pretty good situation as far as slaves, you know, on the scale of being a slave. (laughs) And now he's in even a worse situation. Yes, he's in the dungeons. And honestly, okay, Ben Affleck is the one who is the voice actor for Joseph. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, at the very beginning through this whole thing, I never realized, like, I... There was never a point where I felt like that's Ben Affleck mm-hmm. until this point. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't feel like I could. I ever noticed that it was him. I could not. You could not give me Ben Affleck's voice with just him doing an interview, and I couldn't. I'm not yeah, that familiar I, with him, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I did look. Oh, uh, I, mean, I mean, so I, you mean at this point you looked it up? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you realized it yeah. was him. <laughs> but it, it was just like there was a like. I know who this is. Yeah. Like, okay, I can now hear you mm-hmm. and your in general intonations and things like that. I'm like, okay, now I can see it's Ben Affleck. But it was just, like, interesting. Um, but, yeah, so he's in jail. And this is the point where Morgan's favorite song comes in. And probably the best song. You of- know better than I <laughs> do. Show me the way. I don't even think that's... The, no. no. But- okay. <laughs> See, again, I mean, my favorite song, the quote, most memorable, unquote. Still, I can't even remember. <laughs> I like the whole time I'm wanting, I'm really wanting him to start singing. Close every door to me. Take those I love from me. And I'm just like, ah. Oh. Sing it. Yeah. Dang it. Wrong musical. <laughs> but then you get this like tree section. Even in this darkest pit. He is making something good of mm-hmm, it, and mm-hmm. he's improving his situation. Yeah, he has a tree now. Yep, that's Pet the plant. the literal representation of like him internally and yeah. kind of his outlook on life. And I really did like that. I think mm-hmm. that was one of the highlights scenes of the film for me. And I honestly, when you go through really difficult times, and I mean, you should know. I mean, we've already mentioned that Morgan and I we went to the same church. We're both very Christian, and we both believe in Jesus Christ. And we both um, that's just our background. And whatever your background is, it, I mean, if you believe in God, then you know that these moments of really difficult trial, you're only going to get over them by being humble. I mean, in my life, it's definitely been that way where I've gone through difficult times and I feel like the lowest I get have actually been the best for me internally, just because I have, you know, gone to the humble side and actually gone to Jesus Christ and actually looked toward my Savior and and seeked help from Him instead of resentment toward the world. Mm-hmm. Same for me. 
So we go back and the dreams that Joseph have are reintroduced. We see them three different times in the film. One that sets the stage, this one that helps him out of a bind. And so he's able to interpret these dreams. And he's also in jail with the butcher, the baker, and the... Oh, no. (laughs) No candlestick maker there. (laughs) The baker... And the butler. And the butler. You shall buttle as you did before. (laughs) Dang it, I'm musical. So they have different dreams that are plaguing them and he needs and they need them interpreted he says hey i can i can interpret dreams so he interprets the butler's dream first and his actually turns out to be very positive interpretation i like this yeah (laughs) and tell me more yeah so he goes out and do that and does that but so who gets taken away first they both get taken away around the same time okay like his in in the story they were both going to be either released and gone back to their duties or killed on the third day. Okay. Gotcha. So the two different dreams were, you know, you had the butler and he's his dream was that I was I was on the hill and I saw the grapes and I squoze them into a drink and I gave them to Pharaoh. There were three things of three vines and I took them all and gave them to Pharaoh. And then so the interpretation with that was, okay, in three days, you're going to be freed and you're going to go back to Buttle as you did before. (laughs) Once again, great line. Um, And then uh, the next one was the baker and... His was, he had three baskets of bread, and at one point in time he was carrying all three, but then they all fall, and then crows come in and devour them all, and he's left with nothing. And so he's, at this point, Joseph's like, yeah, I don't know what your means. <laughs> he's like, you're lying, you're lying, tell me. And so he's like, okay, this is what, in three days, yours is not the dream I would like to, to do, but hey, in three days, you're going to be taken out of prison and murdered and killed um, for whatever crimes that you are you are supposedly Have guilty done. of, and so sucks to be you. <laughs> so yeah, and that ends up happening. Uh, obviously, the butcher baker. baker. No, the baker was the one that yeah. died. Butler. The baker doesn't live to tell the tale, but the butler does because yeah. later on we hear that Potiphar. Tell, tell Pharaoh about me. Tell yes. Pharaoh about me. Tell Pharaoh. <laughs> yes, Pharaoh is the one who has been plagued by some dreams. So like we said, this is where the butler tells Potiphar. Potiphar tells Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, bring him in. Yeah. And so he does. And so Potiphar comes in, grabs him, takes him to Pharaoh. And I hear you can tell interpret dreams just by hearing them. Yes. <laughs> um, and so Potiphar, I'm sorry. There's so many names here. <laughs> so at this point in time, you have Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells his dream. So it's three, it's two dreams. One is where he's, uh, I was walking along on the big side. You have not watched Joseph the Me- Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. It's so good. It's so good. I believe it's on Netflix, or it was on Netflix, or just like go rent it. We'll include a link in the show notes so you can just rent it for what, like two ninety nine. It'll. Oh, it's definitely worth it'll your make time. Your day. Yeah, it'll... it's a, it's a Broadway musical, but they you know have a recording. Yeah, it's quite good. So, and the music. Ah. So Pharaoh he sees a cow. And the cat, there are seven cows, and they're nice and plump, and then seven like really scrawny and dying cows come over. They eat the big cows, but they are left still 
scrawny. And he's like, okay, so that's dream number one. Ah, but there's another. Dream number two, I'm walking down and there are seven ears of corn. And they're bright and beautiful. And then right behind them come and devour them, the scrawny and sickly corn. And it's bad, bad news. So basically the same thing. And so he's like, okay, this is what is going on. Um, You are going to have seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. So now all you got to do is find a man to lead you through all this. Um, I would suggest taking five, uh, every fifth of this and this and this. Yeah. And, like, he's just like throwing in his like two cents. Like, yeah, this is what you're going to do. But you have to find a man that'll do it for you. <laughs> and so Sparrow just like, you're hired. <laughs> and it was like, sweet. From zero to hero in no time flat. Well, what I like about this is that Pharaoh himself is open to what's best for his people. Yeah. You know, this is a dream that's been this played. This is a very different pharaoh. Yes, exactly, exactly. He's very much more about the people. And, well, I mean, he cares about his people. Ramses didn't really care about the Israelites because those weren't his people, right. per se. But he he wants what's best for the people. And so this dream really is plaguing him. And this is the solution to the dream and, he, and the interpretation. So he takes it very literally and then goes and does what he says and puts Joseph in charge. So Joseph now is basically number two in command to Pharaoh in Egypt, which is c- quite climbing the ranks quite a bit from where he was. Yeah. Which uh, if you, you know, see where he was initially sold into slavery, you can't really imagine a situation how that would have happened. But, you know, he was blessed uh, by God in this well, you look at, had he not been sold into slavery, had he not been thrown into prison, he never would have ended up meeting the butler. Yes. And the butler was the one that told Pharaoh. And so you look at, like, there's so many of these crazy things. Honestly, I look at my life, there's so many amazing things that have happened to me that I'm like, wow, in no world would I ever have imagined I would be in this position right now. Mm-hmm. And it was only because I followed some type of little prompting that got me from A to B to C to D, you know? And it was like, I never would have imagined anything like this. And then, um, but the the Lord knows better than I. So (laughs) um, you, it's those, even through those really difficult times, they're leading you like here's my one of my favorite phrases like people are like it'll work out someday no it's working out right now Mm -hmm. it's working itself out otherwise without going through these things you're not going to be prepared for what's coming yeah that's what i I like about this story it really does emphasize those things so yay yeah and it wouldn't be this great epic story if things were just hey great all along and didn't have any trial didn't grow wasn't able to overcome you know, he really, he starts in a decent place. He falls to the depths, you know, the classic hero's journey and he climbs above. Yeah. And so, you know, here we come, we have these seven years of plenty. They're great. They put all the excess grain into these big storehouses that are, like, there's seven giant monoliths yeah. that are not monoliths, but basically statues that are created. Yeah. Um, they just shove them in there. And then during the years of famine, the people are coming. How many's in your family? Three, sir. And, you know, they divvy hey, out their portions. <laughs> they divvy it out. We're trusting. Tru- yeah, they're being very trusting. Like, <laughs> yes, okay. This little kid, like, how do I know that you didn't just come back? Yeah, 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 exactly. But whatever, that's looking way too far into yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but here comes these Canaanites from the land of Canaan, or Israelites as they are known. Well, let's go back just one step. So in the Bible, it actually says that Pharaoh gives um, a senna 
to Joseph. But she was always around. Right. In, you know, during this time. She's, like, very nice to him at the beginning. Right. And... Giving him food while he's in yeah. prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so you can pick his wife. <laughs> I pick her. <laughs> she gave me food. <laughs> she shall give me sons. Well, they call her Osena. But we have a friend whose name is... Uh, spelled the same way. Spelled the same way, but it's pronounced Asenith. Right. And it's a very unique name. I've it never is. met anyone named Asenith. Um, and so to me, when I see that, I'm just like, what? Osena? I mean, but it makes mm-hmm. sense. That's definitely a more Egyptian way to say it. And uh, But to me, it'll always I, be Asenith. I feel like she might have told us that that's how it's supposed to be, but nobody was ever going to... Oh, know. really? Yeah, I feel like she maybe said something like that at some point in time to me, uh, maybe. Well, but, yeah. We have we, a common friend. Please call me by my proper name. Like, I have a friend <laughs> I have a friend at work, and his name's Hussein, uh-huh. but everyone calls him Hussein. Oh. And, which is like, you know, there are, yeah. that is a pronunciation of the name. And so in different meetings, people are like, yeah, Hussein said he's going to do this. And I'm just like, it's Hussein. Like, I, <laughs> I know it's Hussein. And I, I feel that he probably has said this a few times. And he refers to himself as Hussein. Right. That, like, you just give up after a certain point of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like me and my last name. <laughs> like, oh. is it Robson or Robson? I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> okay, so we see that these Canaanites come in and they're, they're hey, we're going to pay you for this. We are starving. We also are ex- experiencing this famine. So we'll pay you for some of your grain. And this really kind of triggers, uh, to use a very popular term right now, it triggers Joseph. <laughs> yeah. Because he sees them, he recognizes them. Turns out, hey, they're my brothers and they've come here. And initially the Egyptians like, yeah, sure, you're going to pay here. Here you go. But Joseph gets very defensive and almost kind of yeah. like wants retribution for them uh-huh. and says, no, you will not do that. And, um, and he's like, hey, what, like, what are you doing? They were going to pay. You know? yeah. And Osena really is the voice of reason here. She's always trying to, she knows the true Joseph. And this, again, is some artistic liberty with perhaps how right. um, he behaved. We did know that in the Bible story that he wanted to test the brothers mm-hmm. to see if they truly had changed and had a change of heart. But I feel that we, we see a bit more angst of Joseph and, right. and inner turmoil by seeing them, which I would too. I mean, here's the people who sold you for slavery. They were supposed to be your family. Yeah. And, um, you know, things are you know, happy and coming along. And and then I also think, going back to the <laughs> to the musical, where he thinks back on those dreams that he had prior of his brothers coming in and bowing before him and him being the, mm-hmm. the ruler mm-hmm. over them. And, like, so I guess I never, I never, it kind of bothered me just that he had so much angst in this moment just because I never had that in my mind. Mm-hmm. I always felt like he saw those things coming to fruition and being more in awe yeah. as opposed to being more anxious, but still wanting to test. Yeah. Yeah. So he does test them. He has them go and get Benjamin because he mentions all oh, this other brother. We have a little brother. Um, and so he wants to go get him. Uh-huh. He's like, what? Go back all the way to the land of Canaan. <laughs> I want to go get some power to burn. <laughs> Just kidding. And so, okay, fine. They go and they bring Benjamin back. Benjamin's like, what the heck? And, yeah, he gives them, oh, yay, we have this big party. Here, you each get this big thing of grain. And before you go, I'm sorry, but one of you has stole, stolen from me. And he, he has basically framed Benjamin to kind of see how these brothers react. So he puts the, the goblet in Benjamin's sack. They open it up, and voila, there it is. It wasn't me, I swear, I didn't do it, I'd be framed. And the brothers react 
different to how they initially behave toward Joseph. They, they say, no, take me, take me. Like, I can't see my brother. I can't see my father suffer again if we lose Benjamin. Like, this would break him. And that is really enough for Joseph to say, okay, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) JK. (laughs) April Fool's. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, and I was reading in uh, Wikipedia, it was was telling a bit of the story about the production and how it really, the storyline, it was having some issues just because they were going from plot point to plot point so quickly and didn't have a lot of connection or uh, you didn't feel a lot of connection with anybody. And so they were trying to do the same thing that they did in Prince of Egypt. In Prince of Egypt, they really focused on the relationship between Moses and Ramesses as brothers. But then, so they're trying to pull from the page of that book and put it into this one and be like, hey, um, there's, you know, how would it, how would you feel if your brothers came and you know they sold you into slavery and so creating more of a of a compassion toward and just empathy toward this any situation mm-hmm. right here and, so, and i think that's one of the main things that they're trying to get across at this point is just the relationships yeah would you would i mean dang that'd be hard to <laughs> i i would be kind of um resentful I, but then again, it has been about 20 years since yeah, that happened, and I'm in have. a better place. Yes. So so we basically are wrapping up. But at this point, one of my favorite parts of this whole section was they just have like one little scene where it like cuts to this little band that they have, <laughs> and it's like this really big fat guy with these little tiny symbols, just like this giant smile, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I laughed for a good three seconds on that one. <laughs> This whole movie, worth it, just for that moment. <laughs> so then he says, hey, and he being Joseph, hey, come live with me, bring family, let's come live in my household. And so we see this little band of this family. There's all the brothers, there's their families, you know, because they've obviously yeah. been married and have kids. There's the father who's overjoyed to see Joseph again. Rachel has passed. Um, but it is quite a little family unit. It's quite a little family reunion. And it just, it's like this cloud of people. And I'm sure Osena was like, great, in-laws. <laughs> you know, it's it's great when they, they stay for a weekend. Right. It, now they're no, moving in. <laughs> now they're moving in. And, and like we said, this is how, this sets the stage of how the children of Israel end up in Egypt. And at first it was a very harmonious relationship Uh uh, because Joseph was there and Joseph was number two to Pharaoh and it all worked out. He was a great guy. But then over the next few hundred years, they really do multiply. They multiply way more. And they begin to overtake the Egyptians where they say, no, 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 no. You are just going to be our slaves because we can't handle this anymore. And like free slaves. (laughs) So... Uh, so for Joseph in the closing of his story, it really was one of forgiveness. It was mm-hmm. one of faith. It was one that, you know, even though the worst thing can happen to you, you can still overcome, have a positive outlook and things will be better in the end. Yeah. I mean, you can't, he did not let that be his defining moment that I was sold into slavery. I was taken away from my family. It was very unfortunate. Like yeah. nothing, you want to be with your family. But for him and his journey, it ultimately was best for the family in the, in the grand scheme of things. And the country of Egypt. 
yeah, they came over. And so that's what I really like about this story is there's something that I can take away that when things are really bad, like this is not the end, you can get out of it and we can be positive. So I liked that a lot. Um, as far as the movie, what would you rate to this film? Uh, okay. So as far as the movie goes, like I said, because I was, I just the entire time I was looking and thinking of other movies, um, even though it was a great film and I have, I, I thought they did a great job with it, but I still would give it like two and a half stars just because I'd rather be watching the Technicolor Dreamcoat or <laughs> Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So that's where I put it. I'm going to give it three stars. I really enjoyed this film. I liked that one song. <laughs> I liked just, and I think the reason this over, overall, uh, I give it three stars is because the the story itself of Joseph is a very good story. Yeah. It's very compelling. It has a great payoff, great ending. Um, and so I think the source material was pretty, pretty well established. They fleshed some things out, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, they had something going good for them at the beginning. Yeah. And so uh, I just really liked it. And it it was relatively good. I had never seen this movie before. So, I had neither. You know, and, and you look, and I love to judge a book guy's cover. Like, for <laughs> some reason, the cover of this just doesn't really, like, do it justice. No. It just doesn't look that great. You know, you think direct-to-video sequel. Definitely, I know I know what's in that genre. Yeah. Uh, some things are quite good. King yeah. of Thieves. Yeah, King of Thieves. <laughs> yeah. It seems like anything that has a, a title moniker in it, King of Thieves, Prince of Egypt, King of Dreams. I mean, <laughs> you know you're in for something good. So I dare one of those the listeners, royals. The <laughs> listeners to find one of those. Well, I guess there's lots of princess-type films that I'm sure are bad. But anyway, three stars. <laughs> All right. Now, we want to know what you guys thought about this movie. So head on over to rotoscopers.com slash 145. And you can give us all of your comments there. We also have all the show notes for this movie. And for, you know, if you want to take a look and actually see it, it is on Netflix in the U.S. Um, if If you're looking for it on maybe Amazon, we will have those links there as well as if you're wanting to listen to the music. Well, no, I was doing this before because we, as you know, we did record this episode before. This is the second time. This soundtrack is not available on iTunes or Amazon. The only thing that is available is there's this one guy who, as part of his compilation of songs about faith, Uh. he covered the... That one song that I yeah. liked um, better than I, and so that is the only really existence of any sort of soundtrack. So I will include that guy's version. <laughs> it wasn't the Dave, was it David Campbell who was yeah. the singer, and, and he actually, speaking of Hercules, was the voice of Hercules. But anyway, so yeah, I will include that version because that seems to be the only version that exists, and then I'll also include a a link to the youtube playlist of all these songs there you go. but <laughs> so you could listen to them but other than that it doesn't exist so no all right guys that's all we have uh, be sure to leave us comment in the comment section of orosquivers.com slash 145 to let us know your thoughts on this movie give us a little review and until next time we, we are, are the rotoscopers, rotoscopers.